Hey guys, today I have a conversation with my friend Samba Shkuta. <laughs> it took me so long to learn how to say that. Anyway, Samba is an international comic who's won awards in Holland. He's traveled all around Europe, Asia, Africa. But he left Holland at the top of his comedic game after having sold out shows in Holland. Now, I met Samba at the comedy store during an international comedy show. And the first thing I noticed about him is that his comedy is extremely positive. He's sort of a really positive guy, but he's able to weave that into jokes. He's like a motivational speaker, but with jokes. Anyway, <laughs> Samba and I talk about a myriad of things. He talks about becoming an American citizen, how much the American dream means to him and what it means to the world. We talk about multiculturalism. Anyway, it's just check it out. What's up, man? We got uh, Samba Schutte. Schutte. How do you say it? Schutte. Schutte. Yeah, that's how you say it. You said it right. My God. Good job. Yeah. I'm, I've learned. I've been... Uh, well, you've, you've uh, beaten it into me for so many years. <laughs> say it right, you God wanna damn friends? it. You want to be friends, buddy? <laughs> Pronounce my last name. Um, like that scene from Roots. Your name's Toby. He's like, oh, Schutte. <laughs> Oh, that's such a rough scene, man. I would have been like, after the first whip, I was like, Toby sounds nice. You know, <laughs> like, I don't think I would have made it. He held out for a while. Man. He's like, I, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be right along with you. I'd be there just like, what, what did you say my name was? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Toby. Toby, Toby Tobias, whatever you like. Man. I could be what I know, Toby <laughs> Tobias. Some sort I can of take your last name too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, all you'd have to do is pull out that whip. Like once yeah, I exactly. see that whip, I was like, oh, "Wait, wait, what are we doing here? Did you say Toby? <laughs> yeah, I'm Toby. Toby like a motherfucker." <laughs> People like don't re- who don't remember Roots are like, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> I know. Like, Who's what? Kunta Kinte. Kunta Kinte. Anyway, we have, we have uh, Samba Shuta. Uh, I just like saying that and a famous international <laughs> comedian, uh, right? That's probably right. I mean, of course, you do many things. You're an actor, you're a writer, uh, director, voiceover artist. I think I yeah, saw. I mean, that sounded right. Just take out famous. Just comedian's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I mean, you're famous in Holland. <laughs> I was, I was, I was famous in Holland. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything when you move to Hollywood. You know, you, you think you come true. here with credits. You're like, yo, man, I want this. I did this on this. I was on this <laughs> TV show. I was in this movie. They don't. They're mm-hmm. like, I've never heard of Channel Vara or whatever. <laughs> right. have, you been on, have, you, have you been on NBC or anything? No. On I was CSI. a star where I came from. And, like, <laughs> and now you're playing the corpse on the table on CSI. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. As Mark Harmon does a whole soliloquy, a whole dialogue over your body. <laughs> you're just on that cold table. They're like, cut, Samba, you're moving. Samba, can you hold your breath longer, please? (laughs) Well, first of all, let me just say that for people that don't know you, you are a pretty much big-time comedian overseas. You had had a a couple of successful one-man shows, and now you've uh, ventured to Hollywood. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I moved to Hollywood 10 years ago now. Um, 
it's a really weird story because I was doing really well in Holland and they were about to take it to the next step. They're like, okay, we're going to book your next show. You know, you have this many tours, every career is mm -hmm. flourishing. You're doing so well. And then I was like, uh, I'm going to Hollywood. And they didn't understand that. But at the time, you know, I was working in Dutch in Holland. Mm. It's just, it's only spoken in Holland or the Dutch colonies that they managed to right. take. Aruba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and nowhere else you know and it's just a hard hard language it's my fourth language you know i come from a multicultural family and i learned dutch as the last of my four languages and i had to do comedy in dutch which was so hard you know because i write in english i had to translate it to dutch and then half the mm. jokes don't work because you know you can't translate them time i was like i want to work in english mm. and i want to work in hollywood because uh that's where really i can take my career to the to the next level and so they didn't understand that decision, but I just stuck to it. And so I've been here 10 years now. <laughs> Still waiting for that next level, Rob. I was going to say, what's the next level look like? <laughs> uh, yeah, global. You know, when you come here, you want global reach, right? Because yeah. in Holland, you just got Dutch reach. And I, I mean, that wasn't a bad thing because Dutch people were everywhere. <laughs> sorry. Like we've, we've colonized just, half the world. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sorry. I'm a juvenile. Dutch reach just sounds like a sexual position. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Why is everything Dutch related like a bad thing? Like a Dutch oven is when someone farts underneath the, the table when you're speaking double Dutch. It's nonsense. Uh, yeah. What, what do we do to deserve this? I don't know, man. It, you, you, you Going guys, Dutch? We're you, cheap. <laughs> you guys brought this on yourselves. <laughs> uh, I don't blame. I, actually, no, we did. Okay. I mean, like I was, like I was saying, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're like we, we were responsible for a lot of slavery. Um, we didn't start it. Those were the Portuguese, but we right. built the ships, you know. And uh, so, yeah, we started some shit. <laughs> um, this is how you build a slave ship. <laughs> just, yeah, they just can't uh, sit back and watch watch it done. Watch people do things do ineffectively. Like yeah. that's the Dutch mentality: do it right or don't do it at all. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, I was reading about the Dutch. They invented a lot of stuff, like the telescope, supposedly the microscope, um, telescope, microscope, um, bank checks, parrots. What? Yeah, the bank checks in in, in New York. That was us. Sorry, everybody. And uh, huh. carrots are orange because of us. Oh yeah. Well, well we what have you? What have orange. you done? What have you invented? <laughs> Stupid decisions. Uh, you know. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot. I, mean, I could say the same thing about you. Like uh, you're from Trinidad. Oh, okay. So, uh, Play which some... gold medal did you win at the Olympics? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was part of the Special Olympics. <laughs> Can we say that? I don't know. You, I don't know. I don't want to make fun of the Special Olympics because it's very special. Well, are you making fun of the Special Olympics by doing that? See, that's the thing now. We have to tread so carefully with what we say because we're afraid of offending somebody. Mm. Um, and that's happening more and more. And obviously, you know, we're comedians. We don't want to joke to hurt somebody. And I know right. your humor, you know mine. When we do a joke, when we're talking about other cultures, we're not doing it to disrespect them. We're doing it to point something out about ourselves or the culture we're in right now in America mm. um, without making another culture inferior or less right. than or, you know, so I don't see it as offensive as, you know, just saying um, that you suck. And so <laughs> like, yeah, you, not... you, you, you can't compete with Atto Bolton and Usain Bolt, you know, <laughs> right. 
I'm not that Trinidadian anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's an interesting point, though, because uh, but I think when you say that you're talking about us, like our intentions, because I've seen your jokes and I've seen my jokes and I don't think we intend to. Well, I guess I would say most comedians don't intend to hurt anyone. They're really just trying to be funny. And one of the things about trying to be funny is you have to ex- you there's boundaries that you you test boundaries. Because sometimes yeah. societal boundaries are wrong, and sometimes they're yeah. they need to be examined. You know, you push boundaries, and you hope that the crowd is there to laugh. You know, um, that they know it's a comedy show. It's one thing if you're like being like Michael Richards and just going off on a brother and just calling him the N word and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not you being funny. That's you being offensive. He could have got um, away with that. Just have some punchlines. <laughs> <laughs> or or a rap if he wrapped it <laughs> yeah if he, if he actually <laughs> turned it into a joke that's all my that's my set good night thank you good night um yeah no so yeah there's the, it's a thin line obviously between offending somebody and um making a joke to make a point um mm. and i like smart comedy so i like comedians who use diversity and races and multiculturality to say a bigger message about who we are as human beings because at the right. end of the day we're we're all human beings we all have the same flaws loves uh, aspirations dreams you know failure success all that kind of stuff you you have this joke like that in your stand-up we all have what 11 holes what did you say so the joke goes that my my african grandfather told me you know we all have nine holes in our body you know <laughs> Salah! We are all born with nine holes in our body. <laughs> One, two in the eyes, three, four in the ears, five, six in the nose, seven in the mouth, eight in the kachuchu, and nine in the kachichi. Nine holes. What's the problem? And I said that on stage once, and a woman stood up, she's like, well, technically speaking, uh, women have two holes in the kachuchu, so... Uh, <laughs> not nine, it's ten, but, you know. And another woman said, well, technically, you know, when we're pregnant and we're breastfeeding, that's two extra holes, so, uh, it's not nine, it's not ten, it's thirteen or twelve, or, you know. And then a transgender stood up, well, actually, I was like, okay, enough! Forget about the holes, guys! We are more alike than we are unalike! <laughs> you know what i like about that i like that people stand up in the middle of your act and just <laughs> protest <laughs> the horrible show <laughs> sit down lady like i'm gonna stand up <laughs> that must be dutch that's the dutch way right <laughs> whatever you're doing it has yeah. to be efficient and effective no no but i but overall i get the point it's like yeah you're basically it's saying that we're all pretty much uh, show up uh, with the same human traits and what we do yeah. from there is you know our own Picasso Van Gogh style on life exactly but, but we're pretty much it's really when I look at racism like when I look at people uh, judging based on the melanin content of your skin <laughs> it seems so unintelligent <laughs> it seems like an unintelligent way to uh, dissect someone you know what I mean or to sum up someone 
it it doesn't make sense especially if you're someone with a multicultural background like my mom's black my dad's white so my mm -hmm. whole life i've been raised seeing them as a couple seeing them as a unit and so the idea that one race would see the other as inferior or less than or anything like that is is foreign to me. I don't understand that at all. Right. Because what gives you the right to judge another race? Um, mm. You know, un okay, sure. Unless somebody from that race did something terrible to you. Yeah. Then you will have a prejudice. But don't let it rub off on the rest of the race. Let it be on that person. Yeah, it seems it seems to make a broad blanket statement about an entire group of people. It seems odd. But to be honest, it's very sometimes I get upset at someone white and it's so difficult because I just when I'm about to say white people do, then someone proves me wrong. You know, so I could never <laughs> I can I was like, damn it, let me be racist, man. <laughs> Stop. Stop Give me my moment. <laughs> exactly. Stop poking holes in my theory. <laughs> It makes me wonder what am I doing and what areas I'm backwards. Because, you know, when you're backward, you don't even realize it. I went to Kenya, okay? Uh, mm. I was doing an internship there. And I was robbed by a Kenyan guy. Mm. Like, literally hand in my bag and just stolen. And so, Well, you were in Kenya, time, was... so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Kenyan guy, I, I believe. It was not a... If you were in Sweden, <laughs> that, would be, that would be odd, but go ahead. But I was there and I was offended. And, and you mm. know, because they took something that was valuable to me. And so for like a couple of days, I was like, Kenyans are thieves. And, and that was the thought in my mind that I couldn't wow. get. Like, I can't trust Kenyans. Mm -hmm. And and um, that was the thought that was in my mind. But then I went to a Kenyan village where I was going to do some charity work. And they were the sweetest, sweetest people you'd ever like could imagine and meet and you know just such the opposite of anybody from a city was hardcore or whatever like that mm. and i realized that i made that blanket statement like fuck kenyans <laughs> but then right <laughs> here right. i am in a village you know being taken care of someone who's kenyan right and, um so we just God, have to be care careful that's so deep because you, what you're talking about is you had a limited exposure to kenyans you know, at that time, and then one of them steals from you. So then you use that limited experience to sort of label the entire group. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. really what we're talking about, but it happens a lot, you know, which uh, it's, it's what's happened to this planet. It's yeah, like, yeah. this, this person did this. So from now on, I want to just persecute every person who looks like this. Yeah, at least even if it's in our mind or, or it's also so lazy because if you lazy thinking because it's like ah, Asians are horrible drivers. So then then doesn't allow you to really uh, see or really uh, observe the group because you've already made up your mind because of a few. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even sometimes I find that some prejudices are not even mine. They just were given to me. Like, right. This, this group is smart. This group is dumb. Uh, sometimes I get so mad, though, honestly, when, I, when I'm on the freeway and someone cuts me off and they happen to be Asian. I'm like, come on, man. Don't you know what they're saying about you? Like, I get more <laughs> angry. Because <laughs> like, you're like, don't let this stereotype be true, please. Yeah, like, I'm trying to give you a fair shake. Like, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure when someone gets robbed by a black guy, they're like, mm, I told I'm you. not sure. Um, I hate it personally when I'm walking behind a girl on the street and mm. she starts walking faster uh, just because of how I look. 
you know, mm. or yeah, crossing the street is the extreme example, but I've just literally had girls who are way shorter than me. I'm six foot two. I right. walk fast by nature. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I naturally catch up to the people who are walking in front of me, which can be terrifying. I understand. Um, mm-hmm. You're seeing a six foot two black shadow just approaching you closer and closer. <laughs> but, um, don't walk faster, you know, just because you think you can, I'm chasing you. I'm not, you know, and so when that happens, I'm like, oh, this poor girl probably had an experience of, or whatever, or, you know, is, mm. is it an experience or is it just the psyche? Like you say that yeah. there's already a, a, a preconceived thought put in the mind that if you're, if there's a black person or a person of color walking behind you, mm-hmm. you tense, you tense up. That's what you do. You just tense up because of the stories you've heard, whereas well, it might've never happened to you. <clears throat> it's like the cultural narrative or the, colloquial narrative or whatever that's going on. Yeah, a lot of, that's what I mean. A lot of us is responding to, it's like a knee-jerk reaction to a, a narrative that we may not even have experienced, but we're just um, taking precautions against it. Both parties are suffering. I see a white person look nervous. I cross the street because I was like, you know what? Nervous white people make me nervous. <laughs> like, like, because you're gonna I mean, probably call the cops or say, I don't know. Just, I just don't trust you when you are nervous. Right. So, like, I'm doing stuff. I'm taking the hoodie off. I'm taking my hands right. out of my pocket. You know what I mean? Putting the gun away. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, but uh, no, no. But I mean, like, I live in a predominantly white neighborhood so it's kind of like i'm always find myself being just trying to be as like look as safe as possible which is really hard to do because i'm dark (laughs) you know (laughs) and that's a sad thing it's like you've earned your right to live in that neighborhood yeah but you will never feel welcome just because there's a few people who are not open-minded enough to get to know you or get to see that the, I'm projecting the overall uh, subconscious thought of fear with another race instead of actually going by my own experience. Yeah, it's hard because we well, you know what else was kind of a, a eye opener is I realized those stories are even within the own black diaspora. So like I've been at ATMs where a black girls there and she's like, nah, you go first, baby. I don't know. <laughs> You know, was she well, a white person wouldn't have the guts to say that, but she's like, I'm like, what are you, what are you worried about? You know what I mean? But even you are listening to that story. Yeah. I remember one time I had a sweater vest on because I came back from an audition. And that if nothing looks non-threatening more than a sweater vest. And I was walking down the street with a sweater vest and people still cross the street. I was like, really? Even with the sweater vest. But a sweater vest? <laughs> like, who robs in a sweater vest? <laughs> like, throw this, this motherfucker in town. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, you know, what you're saying for auditions sometimes, you know, I didn't have a car for the first three years. I was in Los Angeles. So I had to take the subway mm-hmm. or the bus, and I'd be dressed differently depending on the audition. Right. And the way I was treated when I'd wear a suit was completely different than the way I was treated if I wore my Middle Eastern scarf or whatever Mm. Um, because Hmm. of the stories, you know. So I'm the same person, same exact hairstyle, same exact look, but one piece of clothing makes me more respectable and trustworthy than the other. 
which yeah. is so weird. It's weird because people in suits have like ripped off more people than anybody in the world. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> the like, biggest criminals, you know. The, the banking, really uh, yeah. savings and loan scam, and Bernie Madoff, and all these people are like crimes. They don't pay taxes. I did it in a suit. But hey, that's a Gucci suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, this is the thing. This is why I wanted to talk to you because uh, what I like about your uh, you're one of the few comedians that I am aware of that's actually tackling a lot of these issues, like your whole, uh, your whole shows. Like even when you're in Holland, your shows on immigration. Wait, what's the name of that show? It was in. It has a French name called Je Metiens. Je Metiendrai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? So uh, that's the Dutch um coat of arms that's our motto mm. like if you see the dutch flag you see that and then you see the emblem it's the two lions and underneath that it says <laughs> Je maintiendrai, which is french for i will maintain i will persevere i will survive you know i will make it wow. and that was the title of my third uh comedy special when i went back to holland a couple of years ago uh, because the show was about not giving up staying strong and all that kind of stuff mm. but at the same time i was talking about how you know there was a lot of right-wing mentality at the time in Holland, a lot of yeah. in Europe, actually, there was a lot of nationalism. And so I went there going, your own freaking motto is not Dutch. You know, right. You guys French. took this from the French. Your king is not, your first king was not, you know, Dutch. He was German. Their family came from France in our national mm. anthem. We're praising the king of Spain. We mm. are a melting pot of people. So that was a message of the show and it was well-received. I kind of lost a few crowds in the South, though, who were, you know, very, very nationalistic. Oh, the South but of I Holland? Mean, yeah. Wow. Why is the South of the country it, always weird? <laughs> why, why is it the South? Yeah. Why was it, is it always the South? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I've done shows, like I said, in, in certain areas of Holland where they were not as receptive, like they were doing monkey chants and stuff in the crowd. Wow. Um, yeah. And that was terrifying. Um, but... Mm. I kept doing my show and eventually someone in the first row stood up and said, Hey, you guys in the back, shut the fuck up, you know, or leave. We're trying to enjoy this show. Yeah. And that changed a few people's <laughs> minds. So um, it's like, who brought know. a monkey to the show? <laughs> <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> the sign said no pants allowed. Um, I don't know. Um, the message was unity and, and togetherness. And so, mm. People received it differently, but I got a standing ovation almost every time, which was wow. new to me. Like I don't get always, I don't, I don't, I never get a standing ovation. Only like some some shows I used to do, but mm-hmm. for this show specifically, it was a standing ovation every time, and that made me realize that the message is bigger than uh, than me. You know, uh, yeah. people are feeling this sense of frustration because there's a whole kind of one narrative that's being told that is division, nationalism us versus them and there's a whole other thing that people are feeling that it's not natural to be seen as separate from someone else you know i mean becoming a global society even if you're separate it's it feels exhausting to have disdain for another group just because they're not like you it's almost it takes so much energy to hate you know no i mean it's It's like i'm too lazy (laughs) that's why i don't hate i'm just lazy (laughs) <laughs> wish i could hate for those years those amount of years i don't have the wish ambition not to hate. <laughs> you know and if you really search your heart it feels abnormal you're right but it also feels like 
it's an uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. Have all that anger and, and vitriol towards another group. Yeah, I mean, and I understand if you've been hurt, like really hurt, um, you just yeah. can't close yourself off from living and being a human being at the end of the day. We, there's a lot of space in America, a lot of room to avoid each other. You know, like black people live over there, way, way over there. And white people live here. But in small countries like that, even in England, it's like you're right up against each other. You're like, you know what I mean? You're in each other's yeah. face. So one, you could either learn about each other. And when you do learn about people, you realize, wait a minute, this person is just like me. It's not like the stories I've heard. Mm. And two, you, you, uh, you have exposure to them. So it humanizes them and normalizes them. But I think when you're far away hearing fairy tales and mythology, they got tales. That's why they run so fast. <laughs> you start believing it because you're not exposed to any. Maybe, you know what I mean? Right. You know what I mean? You know? White people right. have made no. a chalk. That's what I heard. Because, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing how, how, for example, like my mom, when she first, when she married my dad, who's white, mm-hmm. she's black. Uh, she went to visit his village in the mm. 80s this was in the 80s wow and they went to this dutch village and there were still kids walking up to my mom and w- trying to wipe the black off her face mm. like literally trying to touch it and see if the color came off or people riding a bike and seeing her in her african turban or whatever mm. and falling off their bikes and this was in the 80s where <laughs> like benny hill was like, yeah. we <laughs> i mean she was laughing her ass off yeah, but I'm just saying it's the 80s where, you know, you've seen enough TV shows, you've seen enough, hopefully, of the news or whatever that, mm-hmm. you know, there's other races <laughs> on right, this planet. Right. Um, so that that was dumbfounding to me that there's just so many people who prefer to remain closed off because that's the level of comfort that they want. I'm hoping that people coming up now are like, you know what, this is we can't deal with this anymore. But one thing I want to say about the nationalism that you talked about that when that was peaking, when that was rearing its head, it was happening all over the world simultaneously. You know, when you were saying like, oh, you know, look, this person's French and your your, your last king was German. And all those people are white. And I think a lot of the nationalism was towards brown and dark and mostly brown people and then black people as well. But there's there was like, whoa, 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 we're losing the grip of our country. We're losing the whiteness. But like, even in America, they're like, well, we got to stop immigration. No, we got to stop brown and black immigration. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a targeted immigration. They did yes. the Muslim ban. They didn't do the British ban. Right. Or the or Norwegian the ban. ban. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's yes. some truth to that. Like if you gave everyone the same opportunity, people would stay in Africa. It's all about opportunity. And when you've mm-hmm. taken that away from people, uh, you can't blame them for wanting a better life for themselves or their families. Yeah, that's what's so funny about the Brexit people. Like, um, we're like the certain groups in England, well, we're no more foreigners. I was like, dude, there's a lot of countries in the world that speak English. Why do you think that is? Because you've mm-hmm. colonized those countries. You've, you've robbed them of the resources, made your country rich. And now they're like, shoot, it's, it sucks over here now. That's the truth. It's like Europe has forgotten that they colonized a lot of the world. The West Mm -hmm. has colonized a lot of the world, has caused a lot of upset in these countries due to their colonization and the people they put in power at the times. 
to take over that country. And when you've stolen something, when you've done a wrong, you can't, you can't be surprised when karma comes knocking on your door. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that was part of the uh, the illusion, the narrative. Like uh, a lot of countries, like France, France has colonized so many countries in Africa. And the story that they tell, Africa is the richest continent as far as resources. Mm-hmm. And yet they, so they don't allow them to trade and sell their own diamonds. France yeah. goes, oh, no, that's ours because you used to be our colony still to this day. And then the story that they tell is like, oh, why can't they get their shit together? Because they're coming to, <laughs> they come into our country because they haven't taken care of their own. No, you destroyed yeah. their country or you haven't you allowed them it. to trade. Yeah. And, you, and so... The rest of the world doesn't know that. They just think Africa is like, they just can't get their shit together. If you look at the history, these people, these countries are so young. They were given independence in the 60s, right? 50s and 60s. They are so young. And mm-hmm. and so in that amount of time, you like you say, they, they've been plundered and raped and all this kind of stuff. Like the land has just been taken and claimed mm-hmm. until this day. They're still trying to figure out who they are, their identity. And um, you can't blame them if they're looking to you for more opportunity. What shocks me is that these same countries who have, you know, colonized these different countries around the world, you know, say that those countries are indebted to them. Right. They have a debt, you know, like, oh, we built this infrastructure. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just build up your national debt. So you, you'll be poor forever, basically, because you won't be able to pay back this debt. God. Um, and then you look at America. <laughs> and there are three freaking hundred million dollars trillion dollars in debt or whatever it's the largest debt a country has in the world um compared to every other country in the world but they're good for it still (laughs) i got you dog and still they're considered first world and all these other african countries are given the title third world or whatever you know and uh yeah I think if most of the world knew about the Berlin Agreement, it was held yeah, obviously in Berlin. But <laughs> isn't that crazy? No, <laughs> the Berlin Agreement was done in eighteen something where, and I can't remember the exact date, but basically France, Germany, England, all these European powers said, "Okay, look, we all can't plunder the same part of Africa. Okay, let's split it up." You know what I mean? And so they, yeah. they without consulting the Africans, but no, like, they just decide like you. to, you, hey, Belgium, you take the Congo, France, what do you got? Uh, they're like almost like a poker game, like of where it was, was it was to like take one. Cake. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Spain kind of had South America. They did the same with South America on their own. So they didn't, mm. weren't really that involved in it as much. But that's like, mm. that's not what's taught in history. Um, <laughs> So that's why, like, I'm a huge advocate for immigration, for people, try to give them the opportunity to try and find a better life for themselves because everyone deserves, it's in our freaking constitution, the pursuit of liberty, justice, and happiness. Why are you so against giving or wanting people to have that? Yeah, but I, I, I truly feel, I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's like, we there is a feeling that they don't want, they want America, America is great, but America needs to stay white, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's That's not so unfortunate because the country is anything but, you know, mm-hmm. just white, never was. Yes. And, right. and never will be, you know, it was Native American, it was Mexican. And then uh, they came in, the castaways from Europe, 
who mm. were being persecuted, you know, in Europe for being Protestant or Catholic or whatever. Pilgrims. Um, and, yeah. Pilgrims. And so they came here and then uh, they're immigrants. Okay. So, so the thought, the fact that a America, which I agree with you, I'm, I'm, I've been here 10 years. Like if I didn't like America, I wouldn't be here. Mm. You know, my wife's American. I love America and the opportunities it's given me as an immigrant. Um, but the point being is um, a country that has been a huge proponent of immigration mm -hmm. and a country that is known as being super Christian. Mm -hmm. It's just weird that uh, it would not be a supporter of helping those in need. A lot of immigrants uh, in America uh, work in the, you know, farm industry, right? right? A lot of, a lot of them are picking fruit or vegetables that will mm -hmm. then go to our stores and all this kind of stuff. But unfortunately, a lot of them are still illegal, even though they've lived in America all these years and have kids and families and all this kind of stuff. They're not mm -hmm. given the papers. So at any moment, they can be deported. Mm -hmm. But during COVID, we needed them to still work in the fields so that we could have food and stuff in our grocery stores. And so they were seen as essential workers. Mm -hmm. Illegal, but essential. Mm -hmm. And still there's like this slaves. prejudice. <laughs> I guess <laughs> basically modern slaves they get a salary that's the only difference really right but the point is without these people so many other Americans would have gone hungry wouldn't have had their food wouldn't have had the fruit or, or vegetables or whatever, right, or whatnot. Right, right. So, but a it's not really talked about in the news and b if it were I think there'd be much more sympathy toward seeing the skills of other people who are here to make a living, but who are doing the jobs that you wouldn't do or I wouldn't do, you know? Yeah, they never just take, you know, they build up our, our economy, you know? Yeah, immigration is a necessary aspect of society for it to grow because I think anyone who comes to this country uh, legally, first of all, uh, because that's, the, that's how I can speak to it. I came mm. here legally. It's the hardest country in the world to get into. I was gonna ask they you that, know. Yeah. They know everything about you. I mean, when I was going in for my visa at the American embassy in Holland, mm -hmm. uh, I was in this waiting room and the security guard, when I checked in with him, went, huh, so uh, you're a comedian, huh? <laughs> Jesus. I was like, I was like uh, yeah, he's a security guard. How, how does he know? But he, all he's doing is it's his job to let you know, we know you, we know everything about you, mm. you know, so don't mess up. Because uh, when you come face to face with an American immigration officer, you shit your pants. <laughs> I think that's their job interview. Can you make someone shit their pants? Yes, welcome aboard. <laughs> that's their training. You will not let anyone onto American soil until they have soiled themselves. <laughs> They're so intimidating. They make you feel like a criminal. When I come face to face with an American immigration officer, I forget how to speak English. Because you come in with a long ass flight, you stand in that long ass line, finally here, next. You walk up with all your documents, hi, hello, officer. What's the purpose of your visit? Have you been here before? 
How long are you planning on staying? I, I can stay. I can stay. Or if you want, I can leave. I, I can leave today, if you want. I, I, I can stay. Every question feels like a trick question. Do you like fruit? Fruit, fruit is good. Fruit is, fruit is good. If it's bad, it's bad. Banana is good. I, I, Are you crying? Are you shitting your pants? Yes! I'm shitting my pants! Welcome to America. <laughs> Next! Um, wow. It's the hardest country in the world to get into. So once you're here, A, you've earned it. Mm -hmm. B, uh, you are here to work your ass off because you're, you're mm -hmm. going to have to pay taxes. You can't do anything illegally because they will find you and they, they know what to do and they'll, they'll send you away. Mm. You live with that fear because like, I don't even jaywalk. I can't break the law. Like I have one stripe on my, um, if I get one stripe on my record, Next time I fly in through the airport, they'll see mm. it. They'll know it in the system. And why do they call it that anyway? Jaywalking. This is the dumbest name for. <laughs> yeah, like you walk in a straight line. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't walk you in a walking a... Yeah, I never know why they call it that. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing. You're breaking um... the law, just like Jay. This is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Why is it called jurisdiction walk? I don't know. Don't even ask know. me. Anyway, um, so the point being is um, there are a lot can't. of immigrants here who came here, who earned their right to be here and mm -hmm. who are contributing to society. Oh, and so, so there's that's... a whole generation of people here who are DACA because their parents came to this country illegally. Mm. Um, and so they still, you know, contribute Man. to society because they still pay taxes. That's they what still, I'm saying. You know, they do everything. They still pay taxes and stuff, but they're not seen as citizens or whatever because of a, you know, of a piece of paper, even though they're doing more. Like there's, there's people who don't pay taxes who are from right, this country. Right. Well, that's they what I'm talking like about. Like the system, like it's a great country, but there's uh, listen, there's room for improvement. There are flaws. And just because you mention it doesn't mean you're un-American or you're not a patriot. It means that you love it enough to want to see it even get better. That's, I think, what the founding fathers envisioned and wanted. And so I think you're more patriotic if you're for immigration than if you're not. You're more Christian if you're for immigration than you're not. And I think that's the ideal that America was based upon. And mm -hmm. I love the ideal of America. I love the potential of America and what it stands for. The overall, the underlying theme of America and of the Americans I have in my life and I've met in my life is this desire to be the best and not yeah. only competing money-wise or whatever, but really to be the best ideal for this world. Mm -hmm. See, America is such a great idea. It's such an, an amazing idea, but I don't want it to just be a, an idea on paper. No. I want it to be an idea in practice. And you I know, think it's happening. And I really think it's happening, you know, with the, what happened last year with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and things being revealed about, you know, the 
children now in the immigration camps across the border whose parents mm. are just dropping them off and and uh just letting them have an opportunity in america or mm -hmm. immigration in certain states who were giving hysterectomies to women in mm. these centers just so they couldn't have immigrant babies and you know like this jesus all coming, coming i didn't hear life. that part jesus yeah it's terrible just so like they were literally giving ice was literally giving these women hysterectomies so they wouldn't give birth to people in these centers. Wow. Um, if I'm a patriot, if I'm a true American and you go, hey, okay, so uh, next on the agenda, hysterectomies to Mexican women and all Muslim women, I would be, that's the day I quit. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? Well, like, Okay, for, yeah, so that's the thing. It's like the pressure though comes from A, you want your job security and B, maybe you've mm -hmm. been trained a certain way. You know, like the, there's some guards who were working in Guantanamo Bay who went in hardcore, quote unquote, patriots who, who were so mad about 9-11 and who hated Muslims and wanted them to pay, who walked away going, this is inhumane. This is not God. what I believe. Yeah. yeah. You're a patriot, so not a hatriot. <laughs> I, I just Hashtag made that up. hatriot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go, go. No, and so, and so the thing i love about america is that it the, its citizens want to celebrate it so beautifully yeah for what it stands for and and the idea like you say is there and the potential is there and what i see happening is that it is moving toward that because there's no other country in the world that has this many immigrants people from different you know areas of the world coming together to build a an, a land that has opportunity and justice and equality for all i think this country can really be the example to that in the world. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. and so I, I'm here because I believe in it. I'm here because I want to contribute to that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot more Americans today are waking up to that idea and, and have the desire to fulfill that idea because they've seen what hate does. They've seen what separation has done over the past couple of years, mm -hmm. you know, um, they're embarrassed when they see the Capitol being raided. They're embarrassed when they see yeah. certain things in the news now, you know, with the George Floyd thing. They're embarrassed of what they're they're what they look like now to the world, not who they are. If we get this right in America, the whole world yeah. will then can then use this as an I example. Mean, it's the most famous country in the world. Like everybody in the For world knows what the American flag looks like. A lot of people know what the American anthem is just because mm -hmm. of how it's been seen in movies and the media and all this kind of stuff. It's the most famous country in the world. Coca-Cola, you can find in a freaking village in Kenya where there's no power or electricity mm. or running cars. Unfortunately. <laughs> it's like, that's not really good. I'm for just you, talking but... about the reach of yes, America yes. is yes, global. It's the most famous country that the moon has the American flag. Like it's the most famous country of our planet. Right. And so I really believe in its greatness and how great it can be. Um, and it's like the Statue of Liberty. What, it, what it, I think they say, give us your tired, your poor, your hungry, your huddled masses or something like that. Uh, Except if they're Muslim. Yeah. To yeah. Nobody from Mauritania. We don't want all that shit. <laughs> Sorry. Let me repeat that. Give us your white hungry, your white poor, your white... <laughs> white white huddled masses no and that's the truth that's the idea america was that and 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 wanted to be that and and we've lost our way you know a little bit but i think we're finding it back again and sometimes you need to lose 
a sense of who you are so you can mm-hmm. get back on track. And I think that's the way we're going now. So I you really that. believe it. See, this is my thing about immigrants. You, you, you immigrants now. <laughs> what people don't realize about people who are immigrants is the type of tenacity. This country is so hard to get into. It's like worse than the like steeplechase Olympics. It's like the toughest Olympics to get into the immigration Olympics. The level is so high. If It's like well, you have to cross a couple of deserts, the Sahara Desert, water, <laughs> and then you do all that. That person is going to work their ass up. They're not going to show up here and be and be on welfare, no. and be lazy or sell drugs. That person has tenacity. That's why the country is partially why it's great. I mean, we forget all these people. We quote like Albert Einstein and we quote all these people. They, they weren't originally born here. We we basically were like, like a scout. We... um a talent scout we poached them you know from other countries <laughs> yeah. elon musk and all these people we love so much yeah. weren't born here but no. they believed in the american idea and they go that's where i'm gonna do my shit yeah because this is the country that this is why i'm here this is the country that allows you to be global and international and 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 really showcase who you are and 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 what you stand for this country is a huge mirror because yeah it takes a lot of tenacity and work to get here Mm. but to be able to survive here asks of so much for you you know of you you're not here to be lazy you're here to to make it make a difference when my mom brought us to america uh we are we're we're caribbean and it's we're called west indians that's what they call Mm. it because you know apparently Christopher Columbus studies in India. I don't know. It's just all, it's a long story. Right. Um, but we're called West Indians. And so we, we would sort of have clashes with black Americans at that time. It's better now because they would say, Hey man, these, cause these West Indians are coming in here. They got three jobs. They're working their ass off and blah, blah, blah. blah. And people, and I remember people would say like, why are you West Indians so ambitious? I was like, look, there's lazy people in Trinidad, but they don't yeah. leave. No, they stay there. (laughs) Yeah. If you're leaving a nice, warm, tropical island where it's never snowing, it's we we were under the hurricane belt, so the weather was always perfect. If you leave that, you're coming, you're coming here to work your ass off. You're not going to East Orange, New Jersey, where it's cold and it's like get you're not coming here to shoot dice in an alley. You yeah. know what I mean? You could do that and true yeah. that. Lazy people don't, that's what people don't realize. Lazy people don't leave the comforts of their home or their yeah. island or wherever or country to come here and be lazy. I'm tired of being lazy and true that. You know yeah. what? I'm going to be lazy in America. <laughs> <laughs> this lazy and true that is boring, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. And I mean, I know some people are intimidated by that. They're intimidated by the drive and um, work desire of immigrants who come here because they feel, what am I lacking that I don't have that? But it shouldn't be seen as intimidation because Mm-mm. I think it's seen as contribution. I aspire to be the best version of myself so I could contribute to this country. There is no ceiling here. That's what, I mean at least the narrative that we we spread amongst America is like, be all you can be, you know? Yeah. Without joining the army. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> most places you're like, no, you could be whatever you want within reason, you know? 
but yeah. we don't sell especially in california we're like you know like yeah go for it bro you know <laughs> do like, you do you bro yeah it's like <laughs> you every, these your dreams and your aspirations are encouraged and these people that everyone thought was so crazy were out of the box thinkers they but then they yeah. started coming up with the internet and iphones and you know right they're going to the next level there's a lot of inventions here not that there aren't other places when i was in denmark a lot of the um startup people that i met they said oh we can't wait to go to america and i was like why they goes because in in denmark when you have an idea and you say oh i have a better way to uh for people to pay money like paypal or one of those things like Mm -hmm. i have a better and they're like "Uh, so why would we need that we already have one you know (laughs) (laughs) but they said americans when you tell them that they go who else have you told yeah, yeah. American like, companies let me, like, let me jump in on all right don't tell anybody else and let's get on that now I've always been fascinated by the confidence and ambition of Americans in Holland there's a saying like don't stick your head out of the crowd or it'll be chopped off and mm. so that's what I was raised raised with when I was in Holland literally don't stand out mm. fit in whereas here when I moved here I was suddenly encouraged to yeah, like, hey, no, you do you. Like, you do your thing, you know, stand out. Who are you? What do you believe in? What are your dreams, your ambitions? Like, yeah, um, you're encouraged Go for it. to, yeah, you're encouraged. That mentality, that confidence and ambition is like what really attracted me to America. And so if someone comes who's a multicultural stand-up comedian like me as a white father, black mother, and comes to America and becomes more successful than I am, their name's Trevor Noah, by the way. Uh, the, <laughs> I'm not going to be mad that he's taking my opportunity. Like, you know, he's doing his thing. He's hosting the Daily Show. This mm-hmm. is his ambition. This is his path. Mine is completely different from that. But he's opened a door. And so now it's not so strange when you say my mom's white, my dad's black. Right, right. Oh, it's, sorry, my it, mom's black, my dad's white. It's like, it's it's normalizes people Mm -hmm. from different places so it's not as strange anymore it opens doors for those opportunities for you but by the way if you need i know people if you need him taken care of you know what i'm saying (laughs) that's also part of america you know i mean if you just say the word trevor is suddenly gonna be (laughs) trevor Trevor, trevor nowhere (laughs) <laughs> to be found I'm, I'm kidding i hope nothing happens to him joking about. i know suddenly like we get tracked down <laughs> no but you're, you're making a really good point uh uh buffoonery aside uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that uh i often think that too when uh, a lot of times you end up getting pitted against each other and that's mainly a hollywood thing like oh well there can only be one multiracial you know <laughs> I, I would love to see the point where, where that becomes normalized where you just get right. to be samba as opposed to like right. oh he's that biracial kid with the mother instead of that being a thing you just samba telling your stories you know what I mean? right yeah but that's hopefully what it comes down to just hey we all have nine holes in our body You said this was the toughest country to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that is? Yeah, America is hard to get into. 
America is protective of itself. It wants to be the best country in the world. And so it wants to make sure it knows who's coming in. That's why the standard of people living here who immigrate here is higher than it would be in any other place in the world, I think. Right. Doctors that come here, the nurses that come here, the people who work in Silicon Valley, just the even from people who just want to do the gardening, like the standard is way higher because of who mm. you are and where you come from. Uh, and I don't know why America is so protective of its of its borders because it's supposed to be open to immigration and immigrants. Right. I have well, no idea. That's the narrative. We we that's what we were founded on the, the melting pot, and we say all oh, the mosaic and all these things. But right. so far, I realize that we've been talking about legal immigration. What do you think about a lot of a lot of the pushback of what people are uh, xenophobic against is. Uh, uh, illegal immigration, like, you right. know, which just means well, Mexicans, not Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's a double-edged sword because, because, you know, um, when you see the mass amount of people from like Central America migrating, walking because there's war in their country or the people from Syria who have nowhere else to go, who are coming to America because their country has been destroyed. It's, it's the lack of opportunity, which is what I said earlier, that makes people go, nah, I want to go there now because that's where there's opportunity. Yeah, because so it's just a, a natural human instinct. It's a survival. Even animals, they migrate to where there's more grass or, you know, more water. Like you see that in the Serengetis and stuff like these herds of animals just migrate when there's a dry season, they just headed for where the, the water is. Or the and there's no one standing is. at the gate going, you go because your stripes are nicer than and that. Zebra. Zebras, you can come <laughs> in, but the bisons, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God damn, we got to get rid of these goddamn bisons. I know all these goddamn bison. <laughs> I got robbed by a bison once. Jeez. No, yeah, they no. come in here, they take all our grass. <laughs> the animals are just fighting. <laughs> yeah, no. So but it's, 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 it's what you say. It's natural. It's a natural concept to immigrate. And I think it's a very natural thing to do when you have no more choice where you are or when you don't have That's the opportunity. Very to interesting. Where you're from. And, and so when you're denying someone survival, I think yeah. that's where illegal immigration is crossing the line. Well, like it's tough it. because, because yeah. we've created borders and countries. So it, it just it is counterintuitive to our natural migratory way of life. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be alive if immigration didn't exist. Like my parents would never have met a, a Dutch mm. guy from a Dutch village would never have gone to Africa to work there and met my mom and, move to Ethiopia and then, you know, have me. Um, so I can never be against immigration because then I would never have been born. <laughs> so you're like you know, the always, face of immigration. Uh, in a few <laughs> years time, all your babies are going to look like me. You know, I apologize, <laughs> but the world is getting mixed. Whether we like it or not, you know, the world's getting mixed and people are mixing it up. And so this is the face of the future, you know, and, and <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> brown, brown. brown and beige. Are just brown syndrome. <laughs> yeah. It's what, what you said earlier really uh, struck a chord because you're basically talking about the Kenyan thing and you dealt with one Kenyan situation and then you formed an opinion. 
But if you didn't go to that village, you'd have went back home thinking, God damn Kenyans, you know. Right. Before living in America, and I don't want to blame Hollywood too, but if I would just watch, especially in the 90s, watch movies on like black movies, I'll be like, I'd be scared of black people too. Mm. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? We're like, yeah. you know, Boys what, in the Hood, Menace to Society. That's like the titles yeah. of our, it shapes That's the narrative. So, so it's like, where are you getting your information, knowledge from? Where are you getting your information from? And I really believe that if, you were in the South and you saved a man's, a redneck's life. If you've saved their life, um, they would not be, I think, racist anymore because they've I would seen... hope not. I mean, I mean, it would suck if they're like, it's oh, like, thanks, damn. man. Thanks, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> now get out of here. I know. Um, so you mean exposure yeah. you're talking about like exposure exposure to... and positive exposure right um you know or even normal take... like even if i'm not that positive but i'm just you just go you see me and I'm like i'm just a normal dude at the grocery store and not throwing up gang signs or whatever you think yeah i don't have a rap album out you know whatever you No, and you're on a billboard you know whatever barbecuing with white friends or whatever <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just normal <laughs> i mean you know what i'm saying like we don't yeah. see enough of those we don't oh, see right, right, right. like you normalize a race so you normalize you know it's, if we normalize diversity i think people will eventually have to let go of that hate like you say it's exhausting mm. to just hate somebody because it's not normal to you I don't, it's just exposure i think will normalize it and luckily a huge majority of this country is norm has normalized diversity and multiculturality mm -hmm. we just need to get over that last hurdle to just and of course there's stories of immigrants who come here and who've just done terrible things you know i'm not saying that all immigrants are saints you don't have to love us i'm not saying love immigrants but mm -hmm. don't turn someone away who needs help and survival it's a it's interesting because your wife is literally loving immigrants in more ways than one she's she's all in man she's she's, she's not just she talking about in. it <laughs> no she's 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 the example she took action um we're a mixed couple she's white i'm i'm whatever this color is brown um <laughs> what the and 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 so and so and so people are that's what's necessary people need to be open-minded enough to mm. uh, accept couples that are mixed you know uh, after all i mean this is 2021 like seriously as, do you as, have as issues uh not in california i mean there are some areas where we go in california like her uncle lives up in uh, in the near in the woods you know um yeah we get some looks you know um because hmm. there's not black people there well so, you're getting the looks i'm getting the looks <laughs> say what is you boy <laughs> i'm getting the looks like um but i think what it does is it seep into their subconscious somehow and be like mm -hmm. oh i guess he's cool shot yeah and not oh man they're stealing our women yeah, which is like once you're married, I didn't steal her. We went down an aisle together, like it was consensual. You know what I mean? 
you stole us. <laughs> no, um, uh, do you think though, I mean, I'm joking around about this, but I, I kind of feel like maybe that not that many people really give a shit. And, and we just focus on the ones that do give a shit. You know what I mean? Like the ones that do give it, we give them so much of a amplification. And it's kind of like sometimes we just need to ignore them because they're going to die off. Right. You know they what I mean? Are, I mean, unfortunately, the, some things are generational. And so if you were raised with your whole family telling you never to trust a black man um, and, and you were isolated from ever interacting with the black community, you would believe that and you'd probably pass it down to your children. But mm. we're running out of space for that. You will eventually interact with a black person and you will eventually uh, see that they're all not what those stories are that you've heard or whatever. Right. So it is true that we amplify voices that are extremist. I mean, just look at the news, you know, as soon as one terrorist or guy on the streets protests, uh, you know, death to America, they get all the media coverage. Whereas this mm -hmm. one guy was the village idiot and the rest of the people are like, Ugh, just leave him be, you know? He's yeah. Like, and they're like, Abdul, stop it. You know, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> You know, it doesn't mean all of a sudden there's like, oh, this country's extremist because there's one guy who was on the news. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the same way with rednecks. Like, if, you know, if, if there's one guy who's like, you know, we're, we're never going to let nobody in. This, this is our country, our people, our race, white supremacy, whatever. It's just it's just a couple of voices, but they're amplified. And mm -hmm. it's scary that they're out there, obviously. But um, there's more of us than there is of them. There's more people who are open to immigration diversity globalization than are not because again it's in our dna to merge mm. and it's so unnatural to hate and feel separate like those people don't bother me as much like the individuals but when mm. uh when it's government policy when our when those are the things that are the most harmful to us like like, would you say, one of your shows, I'm going to quote one of your shows. It's like when you were saying in Aliens of extra, uh, Extraordinary Abilities. Is that what it is? That's the name of the visa, yeah. Yeah, it's like there's a visa. And I feel like when you call people aliens, it's such a harsh. You you made a point in your jokes when you're like, wow, they're calling us aliens? Yeah, because that's the real name of the visa, right? Right. Um, uh, alien of extraordinary ability just means that you did really well in your country of origin and uh, you're talented. And so you're, you're coming to America. That euphemistically call someone an alien kind of already, it separates you from them. It's, it's literally says you're not from around here. Boy. You're not gonna fit in. You're not gonna <laughs> fit in. I know. <laughs> but you see how we've been conditioned that yeah, that's yeah. it. Is you're not from around here. We mean to say boy, and then, <laughs> because we've been conditioned to. Um, yeah, rednecks probably hate that. They're like, we're not all like that, you know. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I think more and more we'll be forced to address these systems that just don't serve the destiny of this country. Mm. Um, but I believe, like I said, I believe in this country. I believe that. I am here to help contribute to that narrative of unity, oneness, and equality. And eventually, it's going to have to seep through because there's no other way. Like, people don't understand. It's the destiny of America to be a shining example to this world. It's, it's destiny. There's no way around it. Like, this is the country where it has to happen. I really believe mm. that.
Wow. Yeah. God, that's a great place to uh, end, man. Samba Schutte. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> It's a great talk to you. Yeah, man. Thank you. Same to you. human man.